Yo, 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 everybody. It is me, Heath Armstrong, once again here to bring you the heat on the Archapreneur Now podcast. So all of you ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you better get up out of that chair. You better stand up. You better start fist pumping because I've got another amazingly creative, exciting guest for you. Cliff Lynn up there in New York City by way of Knoxville, Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee, throwing it down. Uh, he has an extremely unique story because he literally got his start. He moved back into his house after dropping out of Berkeley and just started sending demos out all over the place, all over New York City. He got an opportunity for an internship. They said, you need to be here tomorrow if you want it. They found out he was in Tennessee. They said, never mind. He said, no, listen, I will be there. Got on the jet, took off, never went back, step by step. He has built up this just phenomenal life that he is truly enjoying, truly loving, and it all comes from just staying persistent and creating music full time. I mean, his credits include movies like The Expendables, Call of Duty, Tomb Raider, Prometheus, Sucker Punch, Green Lantern, Conan the Barbarian, Transformers, The Golden Compass, Hellboy, Abduction. And I get into all this in the interview, but I just want you all to, to realize that this is an awesome, awesome episode. So stay on, listen, how he did it, why he did it, and so much more right now on The Archer Newer Now podcast. For all the stinky little show notes, it's artsynow.com forward slash 56 and hey yo come on everybody let me hear that beat come on come on everybody let me hear that beat well here we go now who wants to get a little bit funky out there who wants to get a little creative out there huh yeah which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, I do, I do. Well, then get on with your bad selves, yeah. Holy moly balls. I am pumped up for our guest today. He is a composer, he's a producer. And he made a city flip from Tennessee to the infinite opportunity of New York City. Making jams for movies, trailers, video games, and the soundtrack of his own life. Creating the life he loves through constant domination. And I'm sure lots of pizza parties. Cliff Lynn. Cliff, you are the entrepreneur now. What's going on, man? Oh, uh, you know, just uh, hanging out in the studio, you know, just working on tracks. Fist pumping? Yeah, I mean, no one knows that because I'm here alone, but yeah. I'm <laughs> in our pre-chat, Cliff and I were, I were talking to him about some of the stuff that he makes, and he said it's good to hear people give him feedback on his music because he's kind of in his own world, and he kind of sits there and just uh, composes, and, and it's such a a huge trait of somebody who's very creative and artistic uh, to kind of get lost in their own work. So that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I mean, it's just something I've always liked doing for fun. Really at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's like my hobby kind of, <laughs> well, you're basically living your dream, which is what everybody out there 
wants to do. And I'm sure that it's hard sometimes and you have to sustain a living and you're always looking for the next project. But, you know, it, it's it's kind of like the opportunity is infinite once you get there. And with your story in particular, going from Tennessee to New York, do you want to start by taking us back to when you decided that you were going to make that leap and just kind of follow what you wanted to do? Like, how did you get started in the first place? Did you start messing around with with uh, soundboards and things when you were younger and just decided that, hey, I want to make you know m- music for trailers or video games or things like that? And then how did you end up to where you are today? Well, um, yeah, I think whenever, uh, when I was 12, around that time, I, I had a really old computer, you know, like Windows 3.1, and there was this program that came with it that was like a really simple music program. And I, I always found it really fun to like click around in it and make sounds and, and really simple compositions. And that was just like a fun game to me at the time on the computer. I never really thought about wanting to become a musician or, you know, wanting to uh, write trailers or anything at that point. I just did it cause it was really fun. Um, and then when I was in high school, of course I was in, uh, I was in the marching band and I'd taken piano lessons as well because I just found music to be fun, really. Um, and then when I was in high school, I picked up electric bass and guitar because, you know, when you're in high school, everyone wants to be in a rock band because it's a cool thing to do. So really, it was always just a thing for fun for me. I Even then, I didn't really think about the future too much. You know, I was just... Um, I was just doing what a lot of kids do, I imagine, which is just to have fun. You know, when you're in high school, you're young and you're like immortal and fearless. You just want to enjoy the moment. Um, So then I went to college and I went to Berklee College of Music, actually, in Boston, because I didn't really want to go to college at that time. So I just picked the college that was as close to what I like doing for fun. An amazing school. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I was there for about a year, um, and then it, something about it just wasn't right for me. I think I didn't like the way they tried to structure everything, mm-hmm. and music became kind of this assignment. It wasn't free or creative, which is fine, because I know sometimes you just have to learn and do it the the right way. But uh, I decided to leave, and I think that after I left was when I really decided that music was what I wanted to do which is kind of ironic. But I just felt like I wanted to do it my way, my own way, and I had this weird sense of confidence that I could do it my way and I would somehow be successful at it. Um, and that... Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. So I was going to say, sometimes it just takes you leaping away from what, you know, like quitting school there and thinking this doesn't feel right. You got to follow what, what actually feels good. And sometimes it just takes a big move like that to realize what you really want to be doing. Yeah. I mean, even at the time I still wasn't sure cause I was, you know, 18, 19 at the time. And at that time in my life, I wasn't really thinking about the future or careers or life. I was just thinking I wanted to party and rock out. So, um, the reason I, I left school and why it didn't feel right to me was because, you know, from all my years of tinkering with music by myself, you know, at home on the computer, I developed my own sense of music and my way of hearing it and thinking about it. 
And when I went to school, you know, there was like the proper way to do it. And it totally didn't uh, work with the way I had internalized it. Um, you know, so I, it's like I had found a way that worked for me. And going to school didn't really develop like what I thought worked for me. Yeah, it makes sense. Like it felt like they were conforming me to another system and it was actually making me less proficient of a musician because then I started thinking about what finger to use on what key and what name it is. And, you know, I wasn't as free and as creative and as, you know, true to myself in, in that respect. You weren't allowed to, to just make what was naturally coming to your creative senses, which I can see can be a very terrible thing. And that's a huge problem with any, like even away from music with the workforce in general, how structured they make it. Cause I feel like a lot of employees, if they were just given the freedom to do things their own way, they could be so much more productive and everybody could be so much happier. So it plays right into the, to what you were talking about as well. Yeah. I think it depends on what kind of person you are. Cause I think I've always known I've been, you know, I've, I'm one of those people that I have to do things my way. I'm not yeah, very forming to a, to a system or a structure. So I always kind of had trouble with school, like getting up early and doing assignments and things like that. And it was, you know, it was really tough for the teachers and my parents to understand that. And it was tough for them to obviously have faith in me to just trust that I would be able to do things my way and accomplish them just as well. Um, but, you know, fortunately I was able to, to eventually do that to leave school and, uh, you know, I moved back in with my parents and they let me just stay at the house and work on music, you know, and then I had a, just a day job. Um, were you back in Tennessee at that point? Yes. After I, I went away to Boston for a year and then I moved back to Tennessee for about, uh, for about two or three years. And that's when I really became focused in music. And I realized that that's what I really wanted to do with my life. So at that time, I was working a day job. And when I wasn't at my day job, I was buying equipment, researching, learning everything I could about music production. And uh, after a few years of learning, I decided that it was time for me to go out into the world and you know see if I could get into the industry um, so that's when I started sending reels uh, out to publishing companies and record labels in the big cities like L.A. and New York. That's and, a pretty cool tactic. Yeah, I think, and I mean, it was really just like, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I just sent things out. I'd say probably for every 10 CDs that I mailed out, I only heard back from one company. And it was usually a rejection saying, oh, sorry, we don't accept this. Whereas the rest of them just wouldn't even reply. And I, I figured that was, you know, that was expected because I, I'd read you're not supposed to just, you know, cold call people and send them stuff unsolicited. As I imagine, a lot of people are sending them things all the time. But I did get lucky eventually. I think I must have sent out like 30 CDs or something. Um, and eventually a company in New York replied and said that I could come intern for them. And, I was, and they were, they were really, uh, excited about it. They're like, yeah, when can you start? Can you start tomorrow? 
and then I was like, oh, uh, I'm in Tennessee. You know, obviously, I didn't book a flight up there that quick and move there in the day. So then they're like, oh, sorry, then never mind. We'll find someone else. At that point. Oh, so, what did that feel like? Well, actually, I was really motivated. At that point, I was like, well, you know what? I'll be there tomorrow. And I booked a flight and flew up the really? next. Yeah, I, because I just thought that was my only chance. Like, I was so close after sending out so many reels and getting affected, <laughs> I had to take that. So, so I did that. You know, I, I think I borrowed my parents' frequent flyer miles or something, and I got a flight up there. And I just stayed at my uh, cousin's place or my friend's place, I think. And I went in for the interview, and they gave me the internship. So I just crashed on my cousin's couch and started interning at a music production company in New York. Did you take any of your equipment up there? Did you have your parents ship it up there? Or, or what was the deal there? Did you go back down and get it? Yeah. Um, well, initially, I didn't have anything. It was just me and a suitcase. And I was just sleeping at my cousin's place because she lived in Manhattan at the time. Um, and, I, yeah, I didn't have anything. I was just an intern in the music industry. So, you know, I was waking up every morning to go in. From nine to six, making coffee, running errands, vacuuming the floors. Yeah, from the bottom, right? Yeah, from the very bottom. And But I was really excited. I mean, I was excited to do all those things because I was just glad to be in the city and in the scene. So, you know, I just made it my goal to make the best cup of coffee, you know, run errands (laughs) quickest, just do everything the best I could. Here's your coffee and a donut. Yeah, well, basically, like, try and just go above and beyond their expectations. Well, that's so awesome because you sent out so many CDs and you didn't give up. You know, a lot of people would have sent out the first five, and if they didn't hear anything back, they probably would have quit on it, tried something else, but you didn't. You kept sending it out there, and that just comes to show, you you know, you keep being persistent. Eventually, something's going to happen, and that's that's exactly what happened for you. Yeah, I think it was also because I knew that there was just no other way because I had already given up school. So I didn't have that to help me get a career. So all I really had was myself. And at the time in Tennessee, I didn't really have any peers or, you know, any mentors or anyone who could really help me with that because, you know, the small town life versus big city life, no one really knew anything about the music industry in New York. So it was just kind of, I was on my own. So it was do or die, really. So I pretty much knew I had to eliminate, you know, any kind of reason or excuse to fail. And I just had to do it no matter what. Yeah, you got you to gotta jump out of that comfort zone, man, and face the fears. And it's amazing how many people out there are so scared of doing it. But, you know, everything is going to be uncomfortable before it's comfortable. So look at you now and thinking think do you ever think back like what would have happened if you didn't make that flight up there that day what you'd be doing now um not really <laughs> now that i'm thinking about it, it's a scary thought but no i think i just kept doing whatever i could at the moment and moving forward any way i could you know i never really thought about the past i was always looking forward just trying to think what's the next step what's the next thing where can i go from here yeah, tunnel vision on what's ahead. It's it's an awesome thing to do. So when when you were doing the internship and you were giving it all you had, what was what happened that kind of made the flip to give you the actual first opportunity to start getting into that music production? 
Well, um, most of my days as an intern were filled with either sitting there doing nothing or, you know, running errands or making coffee or cleaning the floor. There was really no music mm-hmm. involved. And they kind of told me from the start, they said, you know, you're here in our business. We run a business and you're an intern. It's up to you to, you know, achieve things and to learn things. We're not a school. We're not going to teach you anything. We're not going to give you a career. You're here because you want to be here. And I understood that. I knew that it was up to me to make everything happen. And I think one one day it was just chance out of chance. Um, I think one day I was washing dishes and and the session musician who was supposed to show up that day had to cancel at the last minute and they needed someone to play bass on a project and they were running around the studio frantic. And I think I overheard that they needed someone. And while I was washing the dishes, hands soapy in the sink, I just exclaimed, Oh, I can play bass. So then they're like, okay, you're up, get in there. So just like that, you know, head first in the frying pan. (laughs) That's so awesome. <laughs> and that's where it all happened because then they could see that I was proficient in something. It was just out of necessity because I don't think if that day had ever happened that they would have known or they would have, you know, ever given me a chance to show them what I could do. Or who knows, I might have washed dishes for three more months or something. It's, it's so funny how things happen like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's really funny. And I. I sometimes when I do think back about it, I just think of it as a giant luck streak that's lasted from then till now. Like I'm still on my luck streak somehow. But a lot of that comes with just meeting people and paying attention and listening to what people need and then following the network because every person you meet opens more doors. And I could I was thinking about it the other day, you know, it's just from the first person I ever talked to about what I wanted to do and how it's taken me from that point to now and all of the people I never knew before that have helped me get to that point in between. And it's powerful. And so like looking back at what you've done since that point, you know, how, how does it compare to what you're doing now? How much have you progressed since then? Well, I think uh, since then um, I've definitely learned a lot more about the, the industry because when I started as an intern, I knew zero about the industry. I knew nothing about how anything worked. And I think I just learned through trials and tribulations, just doing it, getting in the scene. Um, so that's what I would actually say to people, because people have asked me like how I got started. And I tell them one of the best experiences ever is just to get an internship at a real production studio in a big city and i think you'll learn more you know maybe in one week there than you could learn at a whole semester of school because you're right there in the middle of it seeing how it's really done on a day-to-day basis yeah the fundamentals of how things work and not only that but it's trial by fire too because you are just you know thrown into the world of it and everything is do or die because you know it's not like a school project or anything everything you're working on is really something that's really happening it's someone else's project so you really really have to push yourself and deliver you can't you know you can't make excuses or quit or do a you know lackluster job you just have to bring the best yeah and when so, you're doing something you love obviously it it helps a lot you know 
Right, absolutely. I mean, you know, I knew music was the thing I wanted to do, so anything that I could do to get me there was totally worth it to me, and I embraced. So, you know, nowadays, I, I look back on my internship days, which was, was about nine years ago. I look back on those days fondly and think about all the errands I ran and, you know, all the toilets I unclogged, <laughs> things like that. And, and you know, it puts a smile on my face. And, you know, I'm glad I tried really hard to do that the best I could. Because there were some other interns there who had degrees from music schools and they thought they were too good for that stuff. And they, they didn't last very long. Oh, wow. So that's a, big, that's a big mistake, isn't it? Yeah, you got to stay humble and just do what's needed and just know that you're going to be given the chance to prove yourself on a higher level when the time comes. Stay humble and, and believe you can, because if you believe you can, you're already halfway there. Yeah, I think so. I think it's all in your mindset. Yeah, so so now you're doing all this amazing stuff, and before this, I'm blasting your music. I was on your website, I was on your SoundCloud, and it, it's awesome. I mean, you're involved in so many things. You're doing all of this music for mostly trailers. I'm guessing you do you do some work in video games as well? Um, yeah, there's uh, there's been uh, trailers, video games, video game trailers, commercials, artists. I mean, I'm pretty much open to whatever. I can, you know, make music for. It just so happened that my music was well suited for high action trailers and games, which I guess is due to my musical background because when I was in high school I wanted to be in a rock band. <laughs> and in high school at the time, like alternative metal was really popular. So I was around all this heavier music and that's what I got into. And Are you a Deftones fan. Yes. Yeah, I can tell. They were huge influence. <laughs> you can probably tell. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Deftones fan, and and can't say enough good things about them. But listening to your music pumps me up, just like their music does. And I mean, your your credits have been. It's not, it's not anything shabby. You know, you you're <laughs> the Expendables three, Call of Duty, Tomb Raider, Prometheus, Sucker Punch, Green Lantern, Conan the Barbarian, Transformers. I mean, Hellboy. It, it goes on and on. And obviously you are involved in musical projects too on the side and you're working in a band called city girl, which I listen to some of that very relaxing and soothing music. I love it. I don't know if you have any vinyls or uh, music for sale out there anywhere, but you need to link me to it. And so, so with, with all this stuff that you're working on, how does this, how do you get these jobs putting your music into trailers? You know, what, what happened the first time that you got a job like that? Okay, well, now we're going to rewind back to the time pre-New York when I was sending out CDs of just music I had recorded at home for fun, of course, influenced by the Deftones and other alternative metal bands. Um, when I was at home recording, I would put, um, because I had software and I wanted to have fun with it, I would record an alternative metal uh, song and then I would think, what would it be like if I put strings on it? And what would it be like if I put synthesizers on it? And then like big timpanis and orchestral things just for fun, you know, because I wanted the sound to be as big as possible. And also because it was my song, and I had the software, I could do whatever I want. So that was the music I was sending out um, to publishing companies and labels and studios. 
And another one of the uh, companies that wrote back was this publisher in L.A. And they said that my music would be very suitable for movie trailers and games, which usually, you know, have music that gets you pumped up and excited to see the movie. So, you know, at that time, I'd never really thought about movie trailers. I don't think I ever even noticed the music in trailers or games, really. And it was just something that I somehow got into accidentally, really. Um, so then I started sending more music to this publisher because they said they wanted to hear more music and thought it would be good for trailers. And that's how that got started. And then they eventually got some of my music into trailers because they, uh, all their clients are all the big movie studios in Hollywood. And then as I got more music into more trailers more people of course found out about me the magic of networking mm -hmm. and that's how that all started really so now i'm known for doing trailers and things but it was never something i really aspired to so it's just kind of magical how that all happened but it's got to feel pretty cool watching the trailer knowing that you made that music and that's what came from your head and your creativity and then seeing it synced with you know, the graphics and the media and the explosions and stuff. I'm sure that that gets your heart beating a little bit. Oh, it's a huge honor. There's been times where I've been sitting in a movie theater to watch a movie and then a trailer will come on and one of my songs will be on it and I'll be sitting in my seat thinking, hey, that sounds kind of familiar. And then I realize, oh, that's me. And I want to jump up and down in the theater and tell everyone that it's me. <laughs> I can't and I don't. You but should feeling to magically find your music out there. They'll come in and take you out and, you know, put you in some cuffs and be like, you're this crazy asshole's in here screaming this is his music. It's like, no, man, really, it's my music. I know, right? Who would, <laughs> who would ever believe me? Yeah. Who knows what that would turn into with the media? They'd probably say that you were going in there to uh, cause a ruckus with a gun or something. Right. Crazy shit that goes on nowadays. I know, yeah. If you're in a theater, you just got to sit and be quiet. Yeah. I mean, I think there's actually a law about that now. Like, you can't, you can't cause a ruckus that would cause people to hesitate or something when you're in a theater. I don't know, something like that. Hmm. I yeah, I didn't know about that, but luckily I didn't jump up and down that day. <laughs> well, maybe maybe one day in the future you'll be able to do it and fist pump, and somebody will believe you, and and then you guys can give each other high fives and make a bonding new friendship in, inside your network, right? Maybe yeah, there'll be another big-time producer somewhere. Yeah, that'll be the, the next phase in the career, in the past. <laughs> well, what about your, your side project and your music, like City Girl? How's that going? Uh, that's been going really great. So we started playing out earlier this year because, you know, I'm mainly known for composing commercials and trailers and things. But... Like I said, that was something that, of course, I like the Deftones and all that stuff, but I accidentally got into that. And there's, you know, being a musician, I like all kinds of music, too, not just one style. Um, and City Girl's an outlet to make other music that I like making, which City Girl's kind of more, uh, I guess, it's like synth pop or electro rock, kind of new wave. Uh, people say it sounds like the Drive soundtrack. I get that all the time. So, and it's that's very what it soothing. It's like, yeah, and and it, I guess it's soothing too. It's not as like explosive, 
Well, she's uh, got a very serenading voice, and I think it plays well with the, with the you know the drive style music that you've got going on there, the synth pop. Yeah, yeah, it works really well. Marisa, the singer, has a really great voice, and it totally works great. Um, so we've been doing that for about a year. We've been playing around New York City, and the response has been pretty good. And uh, we're gonna try and get some of our tracks on on TV if we can, using our contacts in the industry to kind of get that project out there. Um, How how did you meet her? It was actually through um, a mutual friend who was also a musician who uh, I was working with at the time. So once again, the magic of networking strikes again. Um, And then I think I just, I really liked her style. And I had a project at the time that I thought she'd be perfect for. So then she came into the studio and then we just started working together because it just clicked. And ever since, we've been working on all kinds of things together. We've done lots of projects and commercials, trailers, and now we decide we want to do our own music, which is this band. Well, that's pretty exciting, man. Yeah, it's really exciting because um, this in this project we can do whatever we want. We don't have to kind of follow any guidelines, which you kind of have to follow when you're doing trailers because they pretty much have a, a format, mm-hmm. which I eventually learned. I mean, when I started, I was just making music free style, however I wanted. But as I got into the trailer world more, I learned the format of trailers, and you know, it get, becomes more business and or, structured how things are to be done. So it's nice to to have other projects that you can just do whatever you want and have fun. Because I think at the end of the day, that's what music is all about. It's about having fun and doing what you want. At least that's how I started out. You know, music was always a fun thing for me. It's never an obligation or, or anything. Yeah, absolutely. What What is it like going from creating all this music by yourself, you know, locking yourself in a room to actually having somebody else to share creativity with. Well, it's completely different because whenever I'm by myself making music, I want to make, I can do whatever I want and I make all the decisions and I'm the boss of my world. But when you collaborate with other people, you know, you can't have everything your way. You have to compromise. So I guess, you know, if you find the right person to work with, you'll, click on a lot of things and there won't be as much conflict but sometimes the best things come out of conflict so i guess you know it's inherent that there's going to be some headbutting going on but you know good stuff comes out of it so yeah i think working with anyone at first it's really hard to admit that you know or or at least bow down and and submit to somebody else's idea but sometimes on the other side it was the right way to go and and it's amazing what can come out of it. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, whenever I think back on a lot of things, I really just think everything happened the way it should have happened. And I really have no regrets about anything. Um, you know, any decisions I made or any conflicts I might have had with people over creative things. I think everything just worked out the way it was meant to. Yeah, so you never had any fisticuffs. You never were like, "Hey, put your dukes up, man!" Like, never had to, never had to go there. So that's that's good, man. 
Yeah, I think, and even if you have to go there, you eventually find some kind of resolution, you know, because at the end of the day, the music has to happen, so you can't can't be all about that uh, for very long. The music's over, you got to turn out the lights, right? Yep. (laughs) Well, do you have any particular influencers that that played a huge role besides the Deftones on you and how you've kind of developed your style? Are there any other creative influences that have been in your life since you were younger or that you've recently found? Because I love to hear what kind of music you're listening to, what what kind of stuff you're into. I know the listeners do too. We can go check that out and post the links in the show notes also. Um, Yeah, I think one of my biggest influences when I was young, this is when I was about 12 years old, um, and just playing with my computer program, I came across this song one day by this group called YMO, which stands for Yellow Magic Orchestra. There's They're this obscure Japanese group from the 70s, and I think they're one of the first electronic artists ever. So, like, modern-day artists like Daft Punk and whatever, they owe everything to this group because... They were one of the first, kind of along the lines of Kraftwerk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really inspired by that. I don't know why. I just thought it sounded great, and I wanted to I wanted to make music like that at the time on the computer. So that was one of my big influences when I was 12. And then, of course, when I got into high school, uh, I got into more alternative rock and metal, like the Deftones and other bands that were in the genre. Um, and I think those bands had a big influence on my sound, especially the heaviness of it and the intensity of it and, you know, the fist pumping feel of it. Yeah. Get the adrenaline popping, right? Yeah. Because that's, that's what it did to me whenever, uh, I was in high school, you know, you're just a high school student in a small town. It's not the most stimulating at times and. I think a lot of times we find our escape and our outlet in music. So I just found that music to be a nice outlet for, uh, for like, you know, I don't want to say rage cause I didn't have that, but just any kind of like pent up energy or, you know, need to fist pump basically. We <laughs> should name this episode why you should always fist pump with Cliff Lynn. All right. Yeah, that could work. <laughs> so if you had to battle Godzilla, how would you use your creativity or talents to defeat that big, ugly, music-hating bastard? Well, um, the first thing I would want to do is I wouldn't even want to defeat him or fight him. I would want him to be on my side and fight for me. You know, I think he'd be an awesome partner to have or pet or whatever. I don't know what the relationship would be, but somehow he should be on my side. But if I absolutely couldn't do that and I had to fight him and tried to defeat him, I think I would have to make some really nasty dubstep because that would be the only sound that would be massive enough to like compete with him. So I think, so I think I would beat him with, with dubstep. You could beat him with dubstep till he submitted and then use him for yourself. Yeah, I could I could do that too. Or he would imagine him like spinning on stage. Yeah, he would get really into it and start dancing or something. (laughs) What if he was wearing a tutu? It'd be a really big tutu. (laughs) 
it could it could serenade the audience right along with with your partner's voice there in City Girl. He, he he could dress up like a city girl and be your mascot. Yeah, that would be pretty cool, actually. He could paint his toenails and you know have a big tea party. Yeah, I mean he you know he's always found in cities. I mean destroying them, but <laughs> that, that could work. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, do you have any favorite advice? Uh, that you'd like to give our listeners before we call it quits here, Cliff? Um, Yeah, I know it sounds really cliche. and I know that pretty much every person says this, but I can't stress it enough that, you know, it's very important to stay true to yourself, you know, to have integrity. Um, And I know that's really difficult nowadays in entertainment and music in general because, you know, there's so many people doing it and there's so many copycats and, there's so many things that are trendy. So it's hard to like know if staying true to yourself is the way to go. But I think that has always worked and always will. So I think that's very important. And then the other thing that I've always found that's very important is to always keep learning new things. You know, just learn as much as possible about all aspects of your field or interest or whatever, you know, your passion, just learn everything you can learn something new every day. You know, it doesn't matter how big or how small, but as long as you're always learning and progressing, um, an example I like to give in music, especially, uh, is like drummers. You know, I know a lot of people who play drums and all they do is they play drums, which is great. And they could be the best drummers in the world. And I always tell them, you know, learn something about production too. learn something about chords and melodies because I think all those things will actually make you a better drummer. Yeah, you know, absolutely. By learning other things that aren't what you do, they can make you better at doing what you do. So that's basically the main idea of learning new things. Yeah, I had a one of the very first guests I had on was Blake Addington, and he does he was doing the lighting for a band called The Works at the time, which is a pretty big jam electronic style band out of the Ohio area, but. He went to school to do, you know, like music production and things like that and learned how to do the lighting. And then he took off with that. And it's made him so much better from both standpoints because he can control the soundboards and the lights at the same time. So it's pretty cool to hear stuff like that. He's with a band called Tauk now, or I think that's how it's pronounced. It's T-A-U-K. But they're awesome. You should check them out. It's like some some real high energy, new age funk style music. Um, Really cool stuff. Oh, all right. Yeah, I think that's a great example, too. You know, just learning about music and learning about lights will make you better at both, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there a way that our listeners can get in contact with you? You know, how do they get to your website? Are you on the social medias? Are you somewhere, you know, walking around the streets fist pumping once a week anywhere where they can actually meet up with you? Um, Yeah, uh, first and foremost, the easiest, of course, is on the Internet. You can always go to my website, www.clifflin.com, or um, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Music. And then you can also find my band City Girl at citygirl, www.citygirlmusic.com. And we're also on Facebook at citygirlnyc. And the only place you can find me fist pumping is in my studio. So unless you just happen to be in here, probably won't. <laughs> me on the streets fist pumping yeah so did you hear that everybody there is no hidden key that will allow you access to his 
apartment while he's sleeping, you know, to watch him fist pump in his dreams. You guys are going to have to find somebody else to go stalk. And Cliff, dude, thanks for so much for being on the show, man. It's been awesome. And everybody get out there, do a little boogie, do a little jive, break the rules. First, break the rulers. Obviously, surrender to your passion. Just practice, practice, be persistent like Cliff did. Just go for it. Reach out to people. Uh, get a guy, get a mentor, learn from them, start from the bottom, learn other traits around you, visualize where you want to be, play the edge. And once again, Cliffs, thank you so much for being the Archer newer now. All the show notes are on artsynow.com forward slash Cliff Lynn. And Cliff, always remember to keep it funky, man. All right, will do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Arch of Her Newer Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.